Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Hello. Welcome again to Church at Home. I hope, trust, that even in this past week, you have tasted something of the goodness of our Lord. Thank you so much for joining us today for this message. I know that today's word will encourage you, that you will be strengthened in the faith by our time together. We have decided for this month of October to once again invest into our marriages, to invest into our relationships, that one pivotal key relationship in our life around which everything else revolves apart from, of course, our relationship with Jesus. And so for this month, we're going to be doing Relationship Month. Today, I'm going to be sharing just a little bit with us around what I would call a missing ingredient. Next week, Yaku will be sharing around some of the pitfalls and potholes that we often see in relationships and how to avoid them. And the week after, my wife will be sharing with us, helping us around communication. I'm really looking forward to this month. I'm looking forward to investing into our relationships, into my relationship, as we spend time in the Word. One of the things that we have learned and been told as we've been doing these church at home, these video sessions, is that our screen time attention span is not always the best to keep the messages shorter and more focused, to keep it succinct and to the point. I do hope that today you will understand I'm going to be spending a little bit longer. This is such an important part, such an important topic, and we're going to be spending a little bit more closer to our normal sermon time probably together today. And so I just at the start want to say, if you need a break at any stage, pause the message, stand up, take a walk, Grab some refreshments and come back. But do come back. You will be blessed. Before we go any further, may we take a time as we just pray and commit our time together to the Lord. Lord Jesus, thank you that you truly are good. Thank you that right at the beginning you said it is not good for a man to be alone. You will make a helper comparable for him. You caused the two to become one. You put made us together man and woman, in a romantic relational sense, husband and wife, as you've brought us together, Jesus. And God, so we bring our marriages to you, those who are not yet married but have a desire to be married. God, I bring those future marriages to you. And we pray the Holy Spirit, today you would speak, today you would encourage, today you would strengthen us as we draw near to you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love this topic. I I love relationships and romantic relationships, specifically sharing about it. We spend a lot of time ministering to young people, to unmarried people. And I'm sure that you'll agree with me when you are unmarried, for those who are married, a very large time of your prayer time. If you were a Jesus follower before your marriage, your prayer time, your faith, your time spent in the word and speaking to godly friends was around this topic. And so today I want us to 
think soberly, if you will, around relationships, around some elements of the relationships. And I will speak frankly and honestly. And that's the only way that I know how. I remember a couple of years ago sitting with a precious couple in my office, talking with him, sharing with him, an unmarried couple about just the relationship and some of the challenges they were facing. And I remember saying to them that there is only one way that I know how to do relationships. As a couple, they had embraced some ungodly practices within their marriage. And I sat down with them and I said, I don't know how to help you if that is, sorry, not their marriage, their relationship. If that is the relationship you choose to pursue, I can only help you one way. And that is the Jesus way, the scriptural way, the way in which the word holds before us to conduct ourselves in relationships. And perhaps a great question to start with today before we even open the scripture and spend time in the word is to ask us one simple question. What for you is the win from your relationship? For those of us who are married, what is the win in your marriage? Why did you get married? What was the, the reason? What is it that you want from your marriage? If I think about my marriage, why did I get married? Why did I not just move in with Yaneta, who is now my wife, why did we not just live together like much of the rest of the world does? Why did we choose to go through the formalities of cutting covenant and being deliberate about inviting witnesses to celebrate the day with us? And for me, that answer revolves largely around God and bringing Him glory. It revolves around the fact that my marriage exists to bring glory to Jesus. Yes, within that there is much happiness, there is much joy, there is much fun. Within that, there are, are married many challenges. Relationships are beautiful and relationships are precious. Relationships are also, at times, hard and challenging. But I know the God way. I know if we do this the way we invite the Holy Spirit into our marriages, into our relationships, they are beautiful and precious and He breathes life over them. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, we read the Apostle Paul writing to a, a young man, Timothy. We assume he was single at this time. We're not 100% sure. We can only guess at best. But Paul writes to Timothy and he, he says to him as a young man these words, Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. This is chapter 4 verse 12 from the New Living Translation. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers, in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. And perhaps before we continue, can I just interrupt myself, put a little asterisk here, and I want to extend today to you as a believer an invitation to be an example. Maybe you are young, maybe you are old, but as a follower of Jesus, how about you purpose in your heart? What if we collectively today were to say, Jesus, I want to be an example. I want to be an example in the case here as Paul encourages Timothy in what you say. We'll speak about that in just a moment. In the way you live, in your love, in your relationship, your faith, the way that you follow Jesus and your purity. Be an example in purity. And so for today, I want us to spend a little bit of time thinking about this purity. 
as I was praying about this topic, praying around this theme, I sensed the Holy Spirit just impress on my heart that in many of our relationships today, purity is the missing ingredient. I'm not sure what your standard of purity is, your norm for purity, where it is gauged from. For many of us, sadly, Hollywood sets that standard. Hollywood sets a, a standard of what purity should look like, what is normal in a relationship. I'm not sure when is the last time you watched a Hollywood series, a movie, whatever it may be, some form of entertainment in which purity was according to a God standard, a gold standard, if you will. And so today, as I said, I will probably be a little bit longer than some of our other church at home sessions. We're going to look at many scriptures today because I believe the word of God transforms us. And as always, it's important that you end this message, you leave this message, not with an idea of my thoughts and my opinions, but with a slightly clearer understanding of the Word of God. What does the Word hold before us? What is the standard that God holds before us? We read in the book of Isaiah that when the enemy comes in like a flood, it's in chapter 59, when the enemy comes in like a flood, when the enemy overtakes and overruns in a sense so much of the world today, God raises up a standard. The standard there is this idea of a banner. It's what the word means. I wanted to put a video clip in here, but I know that posting this on YouTube will have some copyright strikes around that if I were to do that. But I want you to imagine a movie, a war movie that you have seen of these people carrying their banner into the war. And then at some stage, they're being overrun. And then there's a brave soldier, perhaps a young soldier, who makes his way to the banner. And he picks up the banner. He lifts up that banner. That banner is exactly a standard. That's what the word means. And he lifts up that standard. And suddenly there's a new fight. Suddenly there's new energy within his army. And so this is what Scripture says. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God lifts up a standard. He raises a banner, and as he raises his banner, you and I, our, our, our eyes catch that this banner has raised, and we run, we assemble around that banner. Let us, let you, let me be a new example. Let us set a new standard when it comes to the things of purity. For us to do that, we need to know what Scripture would say around purity. Before we do that, I just want to remind us again, just some of the things that Hollywood holds before us, in which debauchery is celebrated, where vile language is encouraged. Chastity is looked down upon, it's a sign of weakness. So often you've seen in movies that virginity is used as a slur. And so we should not be surprised by this, as we will see in some of the scriptures we'll look at now. It is the way of the world. We are in a fallen world. But yet, as believers, we should not be swayed by it. We should not be influenced. We should not take our norm from the things that we see in popular culture and in our entertainment. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus speaking. And he says, I'm reading again from the New Living Translation. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. There is something about purity, something so beautiful about purity. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. And as all things with God, 
It starts with our hearts. Right at the outset, what I'm going to hold before us here is today is not about judgment. Today is not about condemnation. Today is about hope. Today is about us understanding that there is a standard of purity that God is rising up and you and I get together around that banner. Like me, in many of these areas, you have probably failed. But like me, you can experience the grace of the Lord Jesus, his blood to wash and cleanse and lift us up, to strengthen us. And so purity starts in the heart. Purity starts in a heart that has been washed by the blood of Jesus. We will speak about this briefly at the end again. Purity starts not in our actions, but it starts internally. We read in Psalms, who may climb, Psalm 24, verses 3 to 6, who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his, that's God's holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. Before we even speak about our romantic relationships, our marriages, our desire to have someone significant in our life and the importance purity plays in that, Scripture says that Purity is an important ingredient for us to enter into the presence of the Lord. For us to draw near to the Lord, we need to embrace purity in our hearts. So perhaps as we read these scriptures, perhaps as we talk through the thoughts behind them, have in our heart an invitation, an embracing of purity and saying, Lord, there where I'm not pure, Holy Spirit, would you come and purify? I want to stand on that mountain of the Lord. I want to ascend, as some of our translations say, the hill of the Lord. I want to stand in your holy place, Lord. And God, for me to do that, would you come and work purity in my heart? Matthew 5, 8. Jesus, would you place purity in my heart so that I may see you? And so as we continue around purity, I want us to look at just a number of areas of purity that are mentioned in Scripture. Apart from a, a pure heart, Scripture talks about pure wisdom. In James chapter 3, the wisdom that is from above is first of all pure. Godly wisdom, true wisdom, has purity at its very core. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. It shows no favoritism. And right at its core, at its very start, as this translation says, first of all, the wisdom that comes from God is pure. I honestly believe that purity is such an underrated ingredient in every single relationship. How many of us sitting here today, listening to this, think about the significant person in my life don't want them to be pure. Purity of heart, purity of mind, purity of actions. Purity is something which, for those of us who are God followers, God has placed inside of us as something to be desired and something that we are drawn towards. I believe if we were to embrace impurity, not impurity, purity in our relationships, we would grow only closer together. We would only understand one another more. We would love 
one another more. Starting with purity of heart, which the Lord works within us, and then purity in our wisdom, which then carries on in our thought life. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 to 9. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Paul's been writing this letter and he wants to end off. He says, as I end off, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Fix your mind, fix your thoughts on things that are pure. Also, action them. And the me he's talking about here, I believe in our context, would be all of those that we know God has appointed to speak the word of God into our lives, to teach the word of God to us. Whatever we learn from them, whatever we see from them, action it, copy it. But specifically, fix your thoughts on what is true. We should have pure thinking. So much of the impurity in our hearts, in our lives, in our actions starts in our thinking. It starts in where we allow our minds to go. And so let us be deliberate, deliberate about our thought lives. Let us be deliberate about saying, God, I want to focus on things that are pure. That may mean we have to be deliberate about what we allow in through our eye gates and our ear gates, the things we watch and read and where we lend our ears to and what we listen to. I know for me, I have to be very sensitive around some of the news because that gets me going and it takes my mind off of things that are beautiful and pure. Yes, it's important to know what's going on in our world, to stay abreast of world developments, but at the same time, so much of the commentary that is doing the rounds today as so-called news and journalism is nothing but schemes of Satan to draw us into darkness and into fear and away from faith. I know that's something that the Holy Spirit has convicted me of and shown me in my life, not to allow the ways of this world to steal my thoughts away from those which are true and honorable and right and pure. The third area in which I believe God wants us to truly be pure in our relationships and maybe just step back when I'm talking about purity and our thinking, obviously in a relationship, relational context, are we pure in our thinking toward our spouse? Are we pure in our thinking toward our marriage partner? Are we pure? Do we believe the best? Do we think of the best? Do we celebrate the best? Do we zoom into those things that frustrate us that are not quite right? And there is a time and place that we need to talk through those things. And in the coming weeks, Yaku and Yaneta will help us around those topics. But for today, when you think of your spouse, do you think of those things which are pure and truthful and right and honorable? If we set our minds on that, we will take a big step into even greater glorification of God, but also greater enjoyment within our marriages. And then, purity in our behavior. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 25 says, When you follow the desires of the sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, 
quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're going to look at a number of these passages today, and one of the reasons is it's so important that this is so different to what the world holds before us, that we need to hear this often, we need to hear this regularly. I need to remind myself of these passages so often because it is so easy to settle into the norm of the world if I do not allow the Holy Spirit to raise a standard for me to gather around. And one of the ways in which He raises a standard is through His Word. Verse 22 carries on, But the Holy Spirit produces a different kind of fruit, this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature. That was within that first list that we just read a few moments ago. Those passions and desires have their sinful nature. They nailed to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Can I, in love and grace today, say a, a simple truth to us? That sometimes, often, purity, and in the context we're speaking about today, there is a, a strong parallel between purity and holiness. Sometimes purity is simply a choice. Yes, there are areas we struggle. There are areas where we don't seem to overcome. I have those areas in my life where I know I'm not walking in purity. Or I'm not walking in holiness. But I do also know that they are sinful and I repent of it and I confess it. I bring it into the light. I'm willing to acknowledge that, God, these areas are wrong and they need to change. And so sometimes I look at people who say they are followers of Jesus. And it weighs heavy on my heart when I see no desire for purity in them. When I see a, a comfortableness with impurity and embracing of things that are impure. My heart wants to scream, no, no. You cannot tell me that you are following Jesus and not desiring purity with everything inside of you. Yes, maybe struggling with some areas and not walking in purity, but at least desiring purity. And sometimes that starts simply with a decision, crucifying those passion desires, nailing them to the cross, simply saying, I will not do this anymore. I make a conscious decision. I choose to walk away from that. I choose to not engage in that behavior anymore. The modern world word we hear in the world, especially in church world today, is we must be authentic. I want to come to Christ authentically. Yes, please do. But sometimes we use that word as an excuse for a lack of holiness. I want to be authentic as I come to Christ and then I want to be able to swear and do all the things that are ungodly. Yes, come authentic. Say, God, I have these desires in my heart, God, but they are contrary to your nature. Lord, my verbal culture, we'll look at that in a moment. God, the desires, the dreams in my heart, God, these things that are authentically me are wrong and sinful and I need to repent of them, Lord. So God, I'm coming authentic, 
not hiding what is in my heart, but also understand that what is in my heart needs to be transformed. So for me, rather than coming to God authentically, which is important, I want to come to God to be transformed, to be changed into the image of Christ. Today we're growing, hopefully, in the purity in our wisdom, the purity in our thinking, the purity in our behavior. We're carrying on around that. In Romans chapter 13, verse 11, this is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. When it comes to your relationship, when it comes to your conduct with your husband or with your wife, when it comes to your conduct with your future marriage partner, can I read this verse again? Especially that phrase, that sentence again. Remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Make a decision to say, I will put on the shining armor of right living. I will speak upwards to my spouse. I will not shout. I will not raise my voice to my spouse. I will not use harsh language to anybody, especially not to my spouse. That's a decision that I make. I will put crude words. We'll see this in a moment. Far from me. I will speak to them and of them in a dignified way. I will put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, and as a follower of Jesus, you belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. It brings us back to that first verse that Paul writes to Timothy. He says, be an example. And hopefully today is stirring in your heart to say, I want to be an example. I want to be an example that we don't have to live in the way the world lives. Perhaps, if I want to be a bit naughty, we don't have to live in the way that Hollywood says we should live. There is a different way. There is a standard that God raises up that we get together around. Don't participate in the darkness of the wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Don't participate in those. The quarreling and jealousy which so easily creep into our relationships. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. We saw that a moment ago. Think of those things which are pure and holy and right. Don't think of ways in which to indulge your evil desires. So any way in which impurity chooses to creep into our lives, I love how Jesus says here, rather clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a great invitation. Isn't that so much better to clothe ourselves with presence? Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may dwell in his presence? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts. Ask the Holy Spirit to purify our hearts. And as he does that, we clothe ourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus. First Peter chapter 4. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, 
no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. The same theme, we're walking away from those ungodly, impure things, those human passions, and we're walking towards the will of God. For the time is past, for the time that is past suffices, it's more than enough for doing what the Gentiles, the unbelievers, want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. The world will look down at you when you choose not to partner with them, not to join them in the things of the world. You choose not to join in the drinking parties, in the strip clubs. You choose not to join in the debauchery or the adultery, the pornography, the impurity. You choose not to, you choose to be pure. The world will malign you. The world will look down on you. Every time they do that, I just remind myself that one day, I will stand before the judge who will judge the living and the dead. And he will judge them for their actions and me for mine. And I want to be able to stand there in confidence. Yes, saved by the blood of Jesus. My confidence is not in my own actions. But also knowing that I have stepped aside. I have stepped away as much as God has graced me to be able to do. The way from the ways of this world, from the sins of the flesh, and into the fruit of the Spirit. It was mentioned a few times in the previous passages. I want to mention it here as well explicitly because this is one that is so countercultural, so different, so not the way the world sees things. And so I want us to read a number of passages around this specific one. Purity in our sexuality. Acts chapter 15, the early church had been wrestling with the idea, what do we do with non-Jews who are following Jesus? The Gentiles, the people all across the world who are beginning to hear the gospel message and embrace it. What is it that we hold before them? Should they embrace Jewish culture? What actions? What, what is it that they should do? And then the apostles bring forth this decree. They say, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals and from sexual immorality. If you do this, you will do well. Farewell. If you do that, if you abstain from those few elements, from sexual immorality and from some foods, from blood, you will do well. Sexual immorality is something that right from the very start, from the outset of the church, was an absolute non-negotiable. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4, Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. God will surely judge us if we are immoral and if we commit adultery. I want to remind us that Jesus really lifts the bar in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, he says, don't murder. In the New Testament, he says, if you hate, you've already murdered. Similarly, in the Old Testament, he says, don't commit adultery. In the New Testament, he says, 
If you even look with lust in your eye, you have already committed adultery. And so all of us regularly, continually need to bring our eyes, our thoughts, our our minds before Christ and say, God, purify God. God, purify God. Remove the adulterer from me, Lord. Lord, the emotional adulterer, Lord God, the sexual adulterer, remove them from me, God, that I may be pure before you. And as we do that, not only will our relationship with Jesus flourish, our relationship with our spouse will flourish. Revelation chapter 21. And as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. These are hard passages. Revelation chapter 22. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit of the tree of life. Tree of life. Outside of the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshippers, and all who love to live a lie. As Christians, let's not for one moment be unclear about how God feels about sexual immorality. Yes, I know every single TV show makes sexual immorality to be the absolute norm. Perhaps not adultery, but premarital sex, extramarital sex. We get together for a couple of one or two dates and we hook up sexually and and that's the norm. Not for the believer. Not for you and me who are following Jesus. Not for you and me who want to do relationships the godly way. Can I say to all of the unmarried today who are watching, there are very, very few greater gifts that you will ever in your lifetime be able to give your spouse than your virginity. Do not let the world lie to you about that. There are few greater investments that you can make into your marriage than staying a virgin until your wedding night. The level of trust, the purity that it brings, the confidence that your spouse will have in you, so much goodness will flow from that. Everything that the world wants to hold before you, throw before you, there is a reason why the enemy is committed to our sexual immorality. It destroys so much within the marriage. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, run from sexual sin. I think we could just sort of end there. Run from sexual sin. I can't think of a, a clearer way to put that. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sign against Sorry, a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God brought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. We're talking today about purity in our mind, purity in our thought life, purity in our behavior, purity in our sexuality. And then, purity in our speech. Ephesians chapter 5, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Once again, speaking about our behavior there, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. 
Let there be no sexual immorality. I think we've settled that point now. Impurity or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. I say that slowly for a reason. Foul language is not for you. Latching on to what I mentioned just a little bit earlier, one of the easiest, simplest behavioral changes that you can make a deliberate decision around is about your language. I cringe every time I hear believers use foul language. I cringe not because of the foul language, but I cringe because of our disobedience to Scripture. I cringe because something within us has not yet registered that that is not what it is to follow God. It is not okay to use foul language. Once again, for some of us, it might be a real struggle. It is so ingrained into our habits, into our language, our verbal culture, that the word slips out from time to time. But when it does, we should stop and we should repent. We should stop right there. Look at the people around us and say, sorry to you and sorry to Jesus. Can you imagine the testimony if you were to do that? Do you know how quickly you will stop swearing if you stop in front of the people every time you do? I want to invite you. Be an example in the purity of your speech. Be an example like Paul invites Timothy to be. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. What are these sins? Well, we've just talked, spoken about them. Impurity, sexual immorality, and bad language. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. He is saying there is no excuse for these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. Don't live as a dark person anymore when you've been filled with the light of Jesus. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Determine that. Spend time. Pray. Ask. Say, God, what is it that determines you? Ask other believers. Spend time in the Word. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Whoa. Yes, bring them into the light. Expose them. If you are aware of deeds of darkness, don't just ignore them, expose them, Scripture says. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. Still speaking about purified speech, purified language, James chapter 3. Speaking about the tongue, it says, Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so, Blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? 
No, when you can't draw fresh from a salty spring. It says that same mouth that we use to sing praises as we did before the service. Surely that can't be the same mouth that with which we curse people, we use foul language towards people. Surely when it comes to our relationship, our marriage, surely the verbal culture. Here's a great test if, if you're open for this. If you're open for a challenge to really grow in your relationship, sit your spouse down. Ask them, how do you experience my verbal culture? Towards others and towards you. Do I speak up towards you? Do I speak honoring to you? Does my speech lift you up? Not only the words I use, the tone, the language that I use. Do you feel edified and exalted? Do you feel lifted up? by my speech, or do you feel broken down at times? Repent of the times that you do break one another down, that you speak harshly to one another, you speak obscenely to one another. Ask the Holy Spirit for grace to change. You will see a transformation that you cannot begin to imagine within your relationship. And so as we begin to close Perhaps you're saying, Philip, but I'm, I'm not pure. There are so many areas in my life where I'm not pure. Philip, I, I struggle with language, with pornography, with alcohol, with all of these things that these passages mention. mention all of them are bad for me. You know, the great news today is that is exactly why Jesus came. John chapter 3, verse 17, Jesus tells us that he did not come into this world to condemn you, to condemn this world. He came so that you and I through him can be saved. We can be transformed. We can be changed. We bring these areas to him and we say, Jesus, thank you for your cross. God, would you use your blood because nothing washes us better than the blood of Jesus, which is powerful to wash every single sin away. Watch what this passage says as we close in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that. And as we are watching this video, many of us were once like that. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And that is the gospel message that we can be made right by Jesus. We can be made right by Jesus. Titus says to us that to the pure, all things are pure. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are impure, nothing is pure. To those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and consciences have been corrupted. Such people claim that they know God, but they don't know Him. But they deny Him by the way they live. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. And so my prayer today is that none of us would deny God by the way that we live. But there would be a purity within us, a purity that would serve as example, a purity with which we gather around the banner, the standard that God is lifting up, a purity that the world will see 
that we don't have to live in the ways of the brokenness of this world, but there is a newness of our hope in Jesus. And so I'd like to pray for us. I'd like to pray for every one of our marriages currently, for those who are unmarried, for our future marriages, that God would bring this missing ingredient of purity back. And perhaps if you are that person, you're listening to this and you're saying, I'm so impure in my life, I want to invite you to pray with me as we pray that Jesus would come and purify us. And so, Lord Jesus, right now we thank you, Jesus. We thank you that your blood is sufficient, that it is enough, Lord God. We thank you that no sin is too powerful for you, Lord God. God, that you did not come to condemn us, but that through you we may be saved, Lord. That it is not your desire that any of us should perish, that any of us, Lord, should fall under the weight of sin, but that we may be free, that we may be set free from the curse and the bondage of sin, of addiction, of addiction to bad language, addiction to alcohol, addiction to pornography, addiction to other sexual disorders, whatever it may be, we lay them all down before you. And Jesus, we ask for purity, Lord. God, I pray for every marriage that you would, in every space where purity has been defiled, that you would return, restore purity, Lord. That you would restore purity in their thinking to one another and of one another. That you would restore purity in their wisdom. You would restore purity in their behavior. You would restore purity in their sexuality, Lord. You would restore purity in their language. Holy Spirit, make us pure. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. That Lord, individually and collectively, God, as married couples, we may come into your presence. And Father, for every individual who's putting their faith in you for the first time today, who's acknowledging their sin before you, I thank you right now for your grace to wash and to cleanse them, to transform them from the kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. That you would renew them, Lord God, that you would walk close with them, that they would hear your voice as they draw near to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Thank you so much for your time today. If you prayed with us, perhaps for the first time just now as we prayed, I want to invite you. I want to speak with you. I would love to give you a phone call. Get to know you a little bit better. Ask some questions just about where you are in your life and how I can help you to walk with Jesus. And so at the bottom of this video, in the description section, there is a link you can click. If you click it, it'll take you to a place where you can fill in a prayer request. Please do that. It'll send me an email and then I can contact you and just get to know you a little bit better. Thank you so much for your time. God bless you. May you grow in purity. May you live examples of purity in this coming week. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.